Actually, the name of the band already does that. Oh, you want to add that back? Okay, I took it out. <laughs> this episode's just one long outtake at this point. We live for the outtakes. <laughs> <laughs> Runaway train. I'm Juliana Cantarelli Vita. <laughs> Juliana Cantarelli Vita. And I'm Skylar Weldon. This is Massa, a podcast about Brazilian music and culture. Juliana and I are music professors and musicians. In each episode, we dive into a specific genre, song, artist, or issue in Brazilian music to try to understand how it works and what it means. Skylar, I'd like to start today's episode with a song by Chico Science and Nação Zumbi. Wait, really? <laughs> Didn't we just do this? Is this Groundhog Day? Deja vu all over again? It's a different song from last time, though. O bico do beija-flor, beija-flor, beija-flor Toda a fauna, a flora, grita de amor Quem segura o porte estandarte Tem arte, tem arte E aqui passa com raça eletrônico Maracatu atômico So the topic is maracatu again? Yes. Today we're discussing maracatu, but not the same kind as last time. Today's topic is maracatu de baki soto. Aha. Uh-huh. That might explain why that didn't really sound like the form of maracatu we discussed last time. Right. Uh, this recording actually draws on a different form of maracatu, one called maracatu de baki soto. Here's an even better example of a popular artist that draws on baki soto. This is the group Ticuqueiros from the city of Nazaré da Mata in the state of Pernambuco. Hoje eu vou sambar, o maracatu lá no engenho 
Okay, there's something in common with these two recordings having to do with that driving snare drum rhythm. For sure. That's a critical element to the instrumental ensemble in Maracatu de Bacchisoto. There are some other elements that recall Bacchisoto, but maybe we'll save those for a bit later in the episode. Okay, that sounds good. So how do we want to start then? Well, Skylar, what would you say from your perspective is the most important holiday in Brazil? For a lot of people, it would definitely be Carnaval, which is a multi-day festival leading up to Ash Wednesday, during which there are street parades and music competitions and general revelry. The scope and type of these festivities differs depending on where you are in the country. I'm most familiar with Carnaval in Rio de Janeiro, Rio de Janeiro, which is famous for its nationally televised samba school competition and the street parades, some of which draw hundreds of thousands. My hometown is the city of Recife, the capital of the state of Pernambuco in the Brazilian Northeast. And if you ever get to go to Carnaval there... You're never going to stop rubbing that in, huh? <laughs> Not until you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, the point is, when you attend Carnaval in Recife... Thank you. You will encounter many different music forms in the parades. We have our samba schools, but we also have some very long-standing local traditions, such as Ciranda and Frevo. We'll get into those in other episodes. And of course, there is Maracatu de Baquivirado, which we discussed in our last episode. Right. Maracatu de Baquivirado comes out of the city's candomblé houses as an expression of Afro-Brazilian religion and culture. In addition to these, you'll also hear groups playing Maracatu de Baquisolto. Ah, so Maracatu de Baquisolto is another category of Maracatu that developed for Carnaval. Actually, not exactly. Um, Maracatu de Baquisoto is very, very different from Maracatu de Baquivirado. Despite the similarities in the name, the two traditions have almost nothing in common musically. And although Baquisoto groups perform at Carnaval, the focus tends to be less on the parade culture and more on the poetic features of the music. Oh, wow, that is a big difference. Yes, Baquisoto is characterized by a competition between two poet singers called Mestris. Oh, wait, I feel like I've seen this kind of thing elsewhere. In Cuba, there is a tradition called punto, where singers use poetic forms to show their improvisational skills and lyrical prowess. Yes. I happen to know that punto is a Caribbean expression of an Iberian art form connected to decima poetry. So I can imagine some similar ancestry for Maracatu de Baquisoto. For sure. We're actually going to devote the next episode of the podcast to the poetic elements of Baquisoto. Ooh, that sounds fun. I think so, but today we're going to focus on the instruments, influences, and history of that tr tradition. Okay, so Maracatu de Baquisoto happens at Carnaval, but unlike Baquivirado, it's not primarily parade music? No, and unlike Baquivirado, Baquisoto is not associated with the cities of Recife and Olinda, but an area in Pernambuco called the Zona da Mata Norte. The Northern Forest Zone? Yes, while the coastal regions of Brazil used to be covered with forest, or mata. Aha, hence the name Zona da Mata. But the area was deforested to make room for sugarcane plantations. So, despite the name, this area is not forested, but characterized by the long history of sugarcane plantations? Yes, including the changes in topography and land, the history of enslavement, and the impact of engenhos de açúcar sugarcane mills on the region's economic and social structure. Okay, to recap, we have a form of music called Maracatu de Baquisoto that developed in the sugarcane plantation region of the state of Pernambuco. It consists primarily of a competitive performance between two poet singers called Mestis. <laughs> Do I have it? Killed it! 
But there is a lot more to investigate, though. I feel like we may need some help on this one. Agreed. Let's invite in a couple of experts. Uh, the first is a maracatu mestre, Lesildo José dos Santos, known as Mestre B. My history in maracatu rural. Since I was little, I went to the meetings of the caboclos de lança. My passion grew until in 2010, I participated in the parade of the group Cambinda Brasileira, and later I was vice-president of Cambinda Brasileira. And the next year, I became mestre of Estrela Brilhante, the maracatu I belong to today, the maracatu I was already a fan of. And we'll hear from another expert. I'm Chris Estrada. I'm an anthropologist and historian, and I did field work on maracatu Jibaki Salto in Pernambuco. I began going to Nazaré da Mata when I was still living in Recife around 2009. I became interested in the Maracatus and started traveling there on the weekends and ended up relocating there. And I, I lived there for the better part of three years, from like 2009 to 2012. Wonderful. We'll be hearing from Chris and Maestri B throughout the episode to help us understand how this tradition works, as well as some of the historical and social circumstances that inform it. Well, we might as well start by clearing up some of the confusion that people might be feeling about the fact that there are two different traditions called maracatu. Actually, this is one of the things that Mestre B explained. Maracatu de baque solto is the opposite of maracatu de baque virado. Beginning with the ensemble and drums that give its dance rhythm, baque solto has gongue, pombo, cuica, Mineiro and Tarol. That's what composes the ensemble, accompanied by a mini orchestra of trumpet, trombone, saxophone, whatever you can fit. Baque Virado doesn't have this kind of accompaniment. The dance is also different. We use Caboclo de Lança as the primary protagonist of the parade. If you listened to our episode about Baque Virado, you may be wondering what all of those instruments are that Mestre B listed. Right, they were nowhere to be heard in Baque Virado. Don't worry, we're going to talk about all of those instruments in just a moment. Mestre B also mentioned some elements of the parade that folks might not recognize. Okay, we can talk about those in a minute, too. Great. About the name, though, I remember from last time that Maracatu de Baque Virado is named for the virações, or variations, that the drums play during the parade. What does Baque Solto refer to? As Mestre B said, it's exactly the opposite. Baque Solto translates to free beat. It refers to the very steady beat that doesn't change. That doesn't mean that it's easy to play or simplified or anything, but there is a consistency to the rhythm that the instruments play. I've noticed that some people, including Mestre B just now, call this music maracatu rural or rural maracatu. Yeah, Chris talked about this. Going back to the earlier part of the 20th century, when maracatu jibaki virado first sort of became something that was celebrated in, in Hasifi, there was very little attention being paid to what was going on in, in the countryside. So we don't really know what baki soltu might have sounded like 
and we just don't get a lot of details about it at all. Even the fact that it's also known as Maracatu Horao by many people, that designation of it being rural is something that was imposed by an American folklorist and anthropologist who was, you know, carrying out research on behalf of the city of Hasifi to create this kind of catalog and, and inventory of all the different carnival groups that are around in the area. And so she used that designation to describe what was being created by these groups that were formed from recent arrivals to the city of Hasifi, who had migrated from the countryside. So they weren't even really rural anymore, right? They were in Hasifi, but they brought their ways of making music and thinking about music with them. And what they did was visibly and orally different enough from Baki Viradu that it had to be distinguished somehow. That American anthropologist was Katarina Heao, whose work brought a lot of attention to this tradition. It seems that some people take the term Maracatu Hurao as pejorative. We asked Chris how people view this term. Depends who you talk to. Hypothetical example, perhaps. So when I first started, I, I spent a lot of time talking to people around uh, the association of Maracatu Zerus that was formed by Mestre Slusciano, uh, Mr. Salu, who's, who's very well known and involved in a variety of artistic production there. And they might point out that this, this is something that was imposed and we should just call it Bakisoltu and make a point of that. Whereas I would notice that a lot of poets will use it because, you know, it can make a nice rhyme with things like cultural. So if that's reclaiming it, then I guess that's what they're doing. It seems like we run into that tension between the ideological and pragmatic in a lot of popular and traditional music production. Indeed. Admiro a cultura, conheço desde criança, já fui caboclo de lança, lutei com muita bravura, sempre com a mente pura, segui o caminho do bem. Sempre com a mente pura, segui o caminho do bem. Sem discriminar ninguém. Sempre fui me dedicando, vendo os mestres cantando, me tornei mestre também. Unlike the last episode, we're going to focus on a manifestation of this tradition outside of the Carnaval performance. Although Bakisoto groups organize their annual calendar around Carnaval, the event that probably best represents how this tradition works happens in the month preceding Carnaval. That event is called the Sambada, which Chris Estrada described for us. Sambadas are competitions between the singer-poet or mestre of one maracatu against the singer-poet of another one. And they are events that are always held on Saturday evenings. They start rather late, 9 or 10 o'clock, and traditionally they don't finish until the sun is coming up on Sunday morning. Wow, that's really intense. I imagine it takes a lot to pull off an event of that magnitude. And it takes a lot of organization because one group has to invite the other group and there has to be a fair amount of planning that goes into that months ahead of time about making that work. There is transportation to be figured out oftentimes because they are in different towns in this area of the state that doesn't have a ton of infrastructure in terms of transportation. And in Brazil, not everybody has their own vehicles. So typically people will have to arrange to get a bus 
um, to, to bring their entire Madaka 2 from one town to another, as well as a driver who's willing to just hang out all night long and wait until <laughs> they're done to bring them back home. Okay, so different towns in the Zona da Mata have their own Madaka 2s, and one group hosts the other, like a football team plays home and away matches. Yeah. That would mean one group inviting the other one, and when they arrive, they've got a performance space kind of staked out on the street. So they they typically happen in the public space and not on a stage or anything like that. Usually near a bar or someplace that serves food and drink. Often the bar owners are fans of the neighborhood Maracatus, so they might be sponsoring it to some extent. And electricity will usually have to be taken from the local utilities. That has to be cleared. There's always some guy climbing uh, an electrical pole, doing stuff that does not seem entirely safe to me, <laughs> and hooking up these uh, <laughs> the the sound cars. Okay, so there is this negotiation between the formal, getting permission to use the power, and the informal, climbing an electrical pole to actually get the power. Not to split hairs over a detail, but I think the electrical stuff is actually legit. It just doesn't seem like it. It's not like a contractor from the utility company climbing that pole. It's just some guy. But, you know, the the mayor told them they could do it. So (laughs) let's let's hope he doesn't electrocute himself. Wow. Well, that that sounds like that sounds like Brazil, and I say that with pride. Um, what do they do with this power then? The ever-present and ubiquitous sound cars of the Nordeste, which are technically illegal in the city of Hasifi now, but I don't think that stops them, are these you know sedan-style cars mounted with, I don't know, a dozen or more bullhorn-style speakers on top and are used to advertise everything and anything. You might also see them doing campaigning for local politics. They're they're just hired cars, sort of the oral equivalent of the sandwich sign guy, you know, on the corner, or the sign spinner. So that is the traditional amplification for Sambada, is one of these cars will be parked all over to the side, and they'll usually have a little mixer with a couple channels and, and just a couple of microphones, uh, one for each singer, and maybe one for instruments, but usually just the singers. These sound cars are really important to the culture of this area. There's actually a wonderful film directed by Gewa Haish called Lisbela e o Prisioneiro that revolves around them. The protagonist drives one and is quite famous locally for being the sound car guy. Yeah, that is a great film. So even though the Sambada is not primarily a parade event, I understand that there is a processional element, right? There is a pretty ornate and extravagant entrance of of each group to that performance space. When the night starts, the the host group will usually leave their own headquarters with a procession similar to what they use during carnival. So they're in in a kind of formation that's like a battalion formation where they've got a group in the center, which is the band with the singer, and then the people who would be either the Bayanas or the caboclos, gelansa, around them. The term Bayana means woman from Bahia. In many Brazilian carnaval traditions, including the different maracatus and samba groups, there is a wing of Bayanas. This parade wing is meant to pay tribute to the importance of Bahian women in nurturing Brazil's carnival musics. It's mandatory in Rio de Janeiro samba schools to have a wing of Bayanas. In the maracatu traditions as well. What about the other thing Chris mentioned, the caboclos de lança? The word caboclo historically referred to children of mixed Portuguese and indigenous 
parentage and has persisted to reference indigeneity more broadly. In Baki Soto, the caboclos de Lança are Afro-indigenous warriors who protect the parade group. Lança means lance, the spear-like weapon used on horseback, right? Yes. In fact, they carry six-foot-long wooden lances draped with hundreds of cloth ribbons. In addition, they wear ornately sequined capes, massive headdresses made of shredded strips of colored cellophane, and on their backs, they have painted bells suspended from a fabric-covered wooden frame. So as they walk, they create a particular sonic effect, I imagine? Oh, yes. When I was a kid, I remember people calling the caboclos de lança, tango, 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 tango. Wait, replicating the sound of the bells as they walk? Yes. Between the massive colorful costumes, the eerie sounds of the bells, and... The weaponry, I admit that I was terrified of them when I was younger. When I saw them walking in the streets, I would ask my mom to go the other way. To be fair, I would still do that. <laughs> If you want to see what the caboclos and other aspects of the maracatu look like... You do, trust me. Yes, you can see all of this in a clip from the beautiful film Híbridos, Os Espíritos do Brasil, directed by Vincent Moon and Priscilla Temon. It shows footage of the caboclos from the group Cambinda Brasileira as they get ready in parade. And FYI, the clip has no dialogue. Also, we don't have time to get into the ways the caboclos dance, but it's an important aspect of this tradition as well. You can see what it looks like in other aspects of Baquisoto in an episode of the series Brazilian Dances by Antonio Nobrega and Josiane Almeida. You can see them learning the steps. It's really interesting. That clip's in Portuguese, but the images speak for themselves, and we'll link to that as well. So, back to the parade. The group forms into a battalion and goes parading through the streets. They would leave the headquarters, usually shooting off fireworks to announce that something momentous is about to begin, and do a kind of choreographed parade through the streets until they get to the place where they're going to settle in for the night. They'll go down the street and maybe, you know, stop at certain people's homes and, and sing a few verses, some, you know, perhaps an, an older person who's supported the Maracatu in the past but is no longer going out and spending all night out on the street to, to listen to them. They might stop and sing a few verses and dedicate it to them, or they might stop at the church on the corner and ask for a blessing. The respect for elders and tradition and the emphasis on community is really striking. Yes, that reminds me of Baque Virado, actually. Once they're set up in their performance area, there's dancing and a kind of mock stick fighting that goes on with rather large lengths of wood. But once the singing starts, those get put away. It's usually the director of the Maraca 2. They'll come around and collect all the wood so that nobody gets hurt. Seems like a good idea. <laughs> Especially once that neighborhood bar sponsoring the event starts selling beer and cachaça. Once they've been there for a little while, the other group will make their appearance in much the same way. But starting from another place nearby, it might be kind of arbitrary wherever they've parked their bus with all their people. And they would come and, and make a similarly grand entrance with the choreographed uh, manobra or, or maneuver into the central area and set up somewhere that's like close enough but not too close to the other group. So you've got two singer poets 
being surrounded by by their respective fans who are then literally hanging on on their every word and um and cheering them on as the night continues that's awesome and i was thinking maybe we could talk a little bit more about the instruments in the ensemble and what that sounds like great so is the ensemble always the same for the most part um there are three groups of instruments the techno is the percussion section techno like a man's suit same word, but I don't know if it has any relationship. Got it. Um, what instruments are in the techno? Well, gongue. Oh, that's the large bell that we discussed that's also present in Maracatu de Baquivirado. Yeah, it's a little different. Um, it's usually not as big, but it's the same idea. Got it. What's next? The minero, which is a shaker. So it's a metal cylinder filled with beans or seeds. In Rio, the same instrument is called ganza. Exactly. And then there is also a little friction drum called poika. Actually, when Maestri de B listed the instruments in the ensemble, he called this cuica. And some of you might be familiar with the cuica from samba. The samba instrument is larger, but it's played in more or less the same way, by rubbing a stick with a piece of leather. Yeah, the name here comes from porca, because the sound of the instrument's like a little pig. So poica is a regional pronunciation of porca? Yes. Like, I don't know, my father's from the countryside and he says poica. It's widespread. Got it. Yeah. Okay. All right. The next instrument is a tarao. So that's a kind of snare drum. Just like the one in Maracatu de Baquivirado. Great. Anything else in the techno? There is also a bombo, which is a double-headed drum, more or less the size of a tom-tom from a drum set. The top drum head is played with a mallet, and the bottom drum head is played with a stick called bacalhau. Wait, the drumstick is called bacalhau? Like <laughs> codfish? Yes. In my house, we use that term for chicken, not chicken of the sea. But don't ask me why we call it that. Why? Because I don't know. Fair enough. So there are some parallels with Maracatu Jibaki Virado here, right? We have the bass drum-like instrument, or the tom-tom-like instrument, the snare drum, a shaker, and a bell. Yes, of course, there are parallels. Um, some of the instrumental elements of Maracatu de Baquivirado seem to have influenced this tradition. Got it. So how many of each of these instruments are in a typical ensemble? Usually one of each. Oh, wait, that's different. As we heard in our Maracatu Jibaki Virado episodes, there might be a hundred people playing drums in that tradition. Yep. What's the next group of instruments? The orchestra, which is the brass section. It's made up of trumpets and, tr and trombones, sometimes saxophones. In one of each or more than one of each? Sometimes you might have a handful of each, but there are two parts, one for trumpets and one for trombones. And this is another difference from Maracatu Jibaki Virado, which, like Candomblé, is made up of just percussion and voices. Yeah, and here we have this European brass tradition. So what's the third section? The singers. Oh, okay. How many singers are there? Two maestris and a chorus of singers, the number of, of which can vary. Great. Okay, so can we talk about what the percussion and brass actually play? Sure. In Maracatu Jibaki Virado, there's a bass rhythm that undergirds pretty much all of the music. Is there something like that here too? Even more so, actually. The gongue and poika play the pulse. This seems to be consistent from song to song and group to group. 
The Mineru plays subdivisions of the pulp. The Tarao differs from song to song, but often links up with the Mineru. And the Bombo is also different from song to song. Here's one rhythm. So is it fair to say that the rhythm of Bakisoltu doesn't change from beginning to end? Yes, but this doesn't mean it's easy. Throughout the performance, the techno alternates with the singers who sing unaccompanied. The singers will perform a few lines and then the instruments will take over for a time. They go back and forth like this all night. Ah, so the instrumental ensemble has to stop and start frequently. They really have to be on their toes. A lot of young brass players, and it is typically you know, trombone and trumpet, these are their opportunities to, to really hone their craft. There's often like an older or slightly older person who's kind of like the musical director, who's kind of deciding what, you know, what melody or counter melody they're going to play and kind of calling it out. And then a couple of younger people who are are using this as, as an opportunity to, to practice. Not to mention that with the Sambada lasting all night, they have to have incredible stamina. Because of the fact that it's an all-night thing, you'll see, you'll see some people change off, particularly in the percussion. You'll have musicians from other maracatus, so it's not like there is a set membership necessarily to the terno. I mean, there's a core membership of people who they definitely want to be there, and they, you know, they make sure to organize with them that you're going to be there on Saturday night, and so on, but you know, nobody can can play continuously for eight or nine hours. So you'll often see people showing up from, from other groups who just happen to have their instrument with them or, or can step in in percussion. People just hand off their drum to, to somebody else and take a break for a while. Agradeço a Deus Pai da criação. You probably noticed from that clip that all of those rhythms we just described don't actually accompany the singers, but occur as interludes in between verses. I did notice that. Well, this is the way that this music is actually organized. Because the poetry is so rich, we're going to bracket our discussion of that for the next episode, which will go through all the song forms and the improvisation that the masters use in the Sambadas. Sounds good. Let's pivot now to a discussion of the history of Maragatu de Bakisoto. There's a reason we didn't start with this. Yes. Well, as Chris mentioned, there is a lot that we don't know. Scholars didn't really start to pay much attention to Bakisoto until the 1960s. But of course, maracatu groups existed well before then. Mestre B told us a little bit about that. The first maracatu, to remind you, emerged in Pernambuco in 1914, Cambinda de Araçoiaba. In Nazaré, there is the second oldest group, Cambinda Brasileira, from 1918. All of them have been around for more than a hundred years. They give us a lot of joy here in the Mata Norte and other places. Oh wow, this is the third time that Cambinda Brasileira has come up. Yeah, they are an important group. So can I show you something related? Uh, sure. So I confess that I couldn't wait to look up Chico Queiros. I thought you were going to stop Googling while we record. I know, I know, but you're <laughs> going to like this. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, I do like it. <laughs> right? It seems like Chico Queiroz is paying tribute to Cambinda Brasileira in this song. Totally. And I promise that we have almost reached the part where we talk about their music. But there is a little more background that will probably be useful. Okay, you're right. Let's talk about some of Baki Soltu's identifiable influences. Of course. First, we would have Maracatu de Baki Virado, whose influence we can hear primarily in the instrumental ensemble. Right, of course. The common name is not completely arbitrary. Yeah, yeah, not at all. So what else? Next might be Ciranda, which is a tradition from the coast of Pernambuco. It's similar to Baki Soto in the terms of size of the percussion ensemble, um, as well as the all-night events. Ciranda has that too. Got it. Uh, and what's next? One very important influence is from the performers called Repentistas. The word Repentista literally means improviser, right? Chris told us. So, I mean, the Repentistas, I would say, are probably the most iconic symbol of the rural Nordeste, the rural Northeast that is known throughout Brazil because they were itinerant, you know, traveling duos of of guitar players who would improvise sung poetry. So the vocal part of Maracatu de Baquisolto is improvised, much like Hippenchista's song. And even though this poetic tradition goes back hundreds of years, it's not something that only influenced Maracatu de Baquisolto generations ago. No, the influence of the Hippenchistas is ongoing. Again, I'll let Chris Strata tell us. But one thing I found was that these, especially these poets of a certain generation, like over the age of 40, you know, had been exposed to, to these duos and they were they were really into it they were they they were very impressed by this kind of creation in particular i remember talking to Zé Joaquim, who is Mestre Joao Paulo's brother. Joao Paulo is a very well-known poet, has been at it for a really long time since the 1980s and they were both gracious enough to sit down with me many times and and talk about things and Zé Joaquim was describing how you know they both worked together cutting cane when they were younger Zé Joaquim was telling me how much he and his brother were fans of this music. Barashinha as well is a huge fan of this type of music. If there was going to be a Hepentista duo in the next city over, they would make it a point to, oh, we're going to go there, we're going to see them. And and really, you know, they'd be paying attention. Then the following week, uh, he and his brother would be out there cutting sugarcane and singing back the verses that they, they had heard that weekend because uh, it, it impressed them that much. That's fascinating. Like all living traditions, it seems that Bakisoltu is ever in the process of being made and remade. Many of these elements are almost certainly the product of what Chris describes as a pattern of circular migration between the Zona da Mata and the state capital of Recife. There is the circular migration. Most of the, the, the people coming from these small towns are coming to Recife looking for employment, and maybe they find it, maybe they find it temporarily, but they often end up going back to where they came from, or they might spend part of their time in Hasifi and part of their time in the town that's an hour or two away. It's still common even today with people who practice maracatu because the opportunities economically are, are pretty limited in these towns. So I think it's only logical that people would take what they're encountering in the capital city and 
incorporate that into their practice. So the fact that we know that Maracatu didn't have brass instruments at some point and that 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 came in later, well, who introduced that? Most likely people who had been in this pattern of circular migration and had heard all the wonderful frevu and other things that Hasifi is famous for. Likewise, these are cosmopolitan spaces where they're going to meet people traveling from other parts of the state. And so the the hepentistas are more associated really with the the Sertao and the Agresh, these, these other regions that are not the Zona da Mata. So they might have encountered them in Hisifi. It's absolutely incredible that this is all happening so close to Hisifi and in conversation with the musical life of that city, but also somehow separated from it. I'm from there and it still can feel far away, even though I know it's not. You know, when I was living in Nazaré, these places felt like they were really far apart just because of the tempo of life and the difficulty, actually, of getting from one place to another because of the way the land is was split up since the colonial era, basically, and the sugar plantations and ingenuous that are still there. You often have to travel a really long way to go a short distance. Well, like they say down east in Maine, you can't get there from here. But really, when you're looking at the map, it, it's... In terms of square mileage, I'm, I'm not, I, I wish I had an actual number that you could put in the podcast, but considering that there are now upwards of 100 Maracatu groups in this region, it's kind of astounding. And they've increased. I mean, they've, they've multiplied um, exponentially over, over the years because Nazare itself only had a handful back in like the 1980s. And now, now there are dozens. That's amazing. And this region has also been important in influencing the popular music of Pernambuco, as we heard at the beginning of the episode. Wow, good segue. <laughs> well, you wrote that. So let's discuss Maracatu Atomico by Chico Sainz and Nação Zumbi. <laughs> Now that I have some context for it, I can really hear the reference to the Tehnu in that, I guess we would call it a refrain. The way the bells echo from channel to channel is also a, a sort of reference to the caboclo de lanza, whose bells clang as they walk. Tango, 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 tango. <laughs> yes, it's notable that Nação Zumbi were doing this back in the mid-1990s before the massive proliferation of maracatus that Chris mentioned. But the song is actually older than that, right? Yeah. Here's the first recording of the song. I recognize that. That's Georges Mauchner 
right? Exactly. Georgie Martinet is a violinist and songwriter. And poet and actor and director. <laughs> yeah. He's an artist of many talents and successes. He wrote the song with Nelson Jacobina and recorded it in 1974. To be honest, it, it doesn't really seem to have that much to do with Maracatu. <laughs> No, not at all. Mautner was connected to the Tropicalia movement of the late 1960s, as well as to the counterculture of the 1970s. Many of the artists of those movements juxtaposed lyrical and musical references to tr traditional cultures and lyrical and musical references associated with 20th century modernization. Aha, hence Maracatu Atomico or Atomic Maracatu. The lyrics are really interesting, but don't directly connect to any specific form of maracatu. So, Nação Zumbi added this musical connection to Baxolto. Yep, and they ended up inspiring and participating in a movement that drew on local music traditions, including maracatu de Baxolto. Was Nação Zumbi from the Zona da Mata or from Recife? From Recife, but remember, Baxolto is present in Carnaval there. Not to mention the migratory cycle that puts these musicians in contact with one another. Yeah. Well, Tico Queiroz, on the other hand, is from Nazaré da Mata. Right. Let's talk about their song a bit. <laughs> Okay, so now that I have some context for this one, I noticed that he said, Hoje eu vou sambar o maracatu lá no engenho. He did. That translates to, today I'm going to play maracatu out on the sugarcane plantation. Wow, that really roots this in that particular socio-geography. Actually, the name of the band already does that. Dicoqueiros refer to workers on the sugarcane plantations who work on the plantations during the fallow periods. Aha! As far as the music, we already mentioned the driving percussion. There is no poika, but the drums recall the bombo in taro. And there is a prominent trombone. It seems that they have taken the instrumental interludes from the Maracatu de Baquisoto tradition and made them into a song by adding the vocals. And even that seems derived from the Baquisoto brass parts. Yes, that melody is very reminiscent of kinds of melodies that the trumpets and trombones play. This is fascinating. Mauchnech put the notion of maracatu into a popular song, but he took a great deal of poetic license in doing so. Then, Chico Science in Nação Zumbi added musical reference to maracatu de Baquisolto, including the techno instruments and the sound of the caboclo de lança. Other groups take this a step further. Chico Queiros adds all kinds of musical elements derived from Baquisolto to bring the sound even further toward the Zona da Mata. Exactly. In addition to this song and Cambinda Brasileira, Tico Queiroz's album Dusca na Viagem da Zona da Mata has a song called Cantador Mestre, which is an homage to the skills of the poets that improvise Baxolto.
They also feature an actual performance by Mestre João Paulo, formerly of Cambinda Brasileira, on their disc. Mestre João Paulo's brother is who told Chris Estrada about his love of the Repentistas. Yeah. Here he talks about how he was educated not in universities, but by the popular culture that is Maracatu. Não fiz o vestibular, nem tampouco a faculdade. A minha universidade só me ensinou a cantar. A cultura popular foi onde eu ganhei troféu. A cultura popular foi onde eu ganhei troféu. Meu professor tá no céu. Me corrige da provo, o meu diploma é o povo, vale mais do que That seems like a good place to stop for now, huh? Because we'll be getting into the work that those maestris do in our next episode. Which comes out just next week. I can't wait. How about we let an actual maestri take us out for today? Here's what Master B had to say about the importance of Maracatu in the Zona da Mata. Maracatu I would like to highlight that Maracatu is a source of joy here in the Mata Norte. The brilliance of the costumes, the ritual, the rehearsal, the sambadas. When Carnaval comes, it's a celebration of incalculable importance emotionally. We prepare all year to play these three days of Carnaval. So it's a feeling of happiness that is priceless. And I want to highlight also that the brilliance of the costumes is enchanting. It attracts people from all over. The caboclo de lança is the greatest symbol of Maracatu Rural. And we only have to thank Maracatu de Baxoto because Maracatu provides us this joy here in the Mata Norte. That's it for today. Thanks, Skyler. Thank you, Juliana. Esse foi massa. Massa is written, produced, and edited by Skylar Weldon and me, Juliana Cantarelli Vita. Very special thanks this week to Mestre B, Sidiclea Cavalcanti, João Paulo Requivita, and Chris Strada. You can find more of Chris's work at bacisoto.org. For episode transcripts and other materials, please visit our website, essefoimassa.com. That's E-S-S-E-F-O-I-M-A-S-S-A dot com. You can email us at essefoimassa at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our intro music is by Sonda Massa and our outro music is by Sammy Bananas. Please join us next week for our episode on the poetry of Maracatu de Baxoto. Until then, esse foi massa.
much like hepenchista song, z, much like hepenchista songs, much like hepenchista song. Hmm. Right. So the vocal part of Marakatujibaki Vida. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Bakivira, the size of the horse. <laughs>